For as long as I can remember, I have always been blown away by the sky and the galaxy, specifically the moon. As a kid, I would stare at the moon every night in awe by its beauty. Today's guest is a nightscape photographer from Washington named Matt George, also known as Jet City Photos. He is known for a hunting astro all over the PNW and someone who has really created a style of his own. Matt, welcome to the show, brother. How are you? Prince, good to talk to you, man. I am good. Right on, bro. Why don't you uh, Why don't you let the community know a little bit more about you? Well, hi everybody. My name is Matt George, and a lot of you probably know me by Jet City Photos if you see some of my work on the IG community. I am a native Washingtonian, born and raised. I went to college in Washington. I went to a Western. Got my degree in geography, regional planning. I'm big into mapping, and that's kind of um, kind of where I got my my start of love of the outdoors and kind of where I, I saw my uh, my photography kind of begin. So a little bit about that. Everything's kind of spatial to me. I'm a visual learner. So the, the two kind of, they kind of tie together in that sense. And that's why I chose that field. And that's why I think why photography kind of found me from the, that fascination with um, maps and the outdoors and cameras. So what's your day job? What do you do? Well, I work for um, county government. I've been in that industry for almost 25 years. And um, I guess uh, I'm, I'm proud to say that I went to school for that very specific job that I, I'm still working today because I, I have a love and passion for what I do. I'm big into GIS. I don't know if you know what that, that is, but it's mapping. Um, info GIS is Geographic Information Systems. I majored in geography. And <laughs> so it kind of went from, you know, old school cartography maps, topo maps, back in the day to now it's all digital now and it kind of advanced up into you know mobile technology and now we support a fleet of uh, 1200 ipads with our mapping programs on them and we deliver work orders to our uh, public works crews and that's how the that's how the work gets done in the county that's amazing it's really cool that you have a job that you truly love and enjoy to this day you still love doing it and i love i mean just talking to you the other day you're always fired up and you're always every time i've talked to you you've talked about how you really enjoy what you do so congratulations that's That's beautiful thanks dude thank you matt how did you get into photography well it's i for as long as i can remember i've I've always had a piece of it with me. I, looking back, I would say, well, see, my dad, my dad shot with one of the original Nikon F1s. It's an old film camera. And I can remember mid-70s when I, I was five years old. He had a 400 um, lens on that old boy. And I remember grabbing that thing at like age five. And I would I would grab it and I would zoom stuff. And I, I wasn't allowed to shoot it because, you know, it was film back in that day. But I would just zoom it and I was just always watching stuff. And then I was watching him and and it kind of all started right there. And, you know, as I grew up, I had the little cameras and the point and shoots. And I just I love to shoot everything because I, I goes back to I'm a, I'm a visual learner. and I, I like to see things that way. And I frame everything up and um, got into high school. I did, did the whole yearbook thing. And, you know, I learned how to develop film in the dark room and you know crack the can open and get the film through all the you know the stop bath and develop it out on the paper and you know pack the can up put it back so i I did that for yearbook for years and you know when film started to transition out i you know i I got into digital had my first digital camera i think i got that in 98 i remember remember going to a garth brooks concert and i took that little camera and i 
I took some photos of it and I think I even had a Gmail back then. He had to apply for those, by the way, back then. And I sent pictures out that night of the concert. And people were like, what? Where, 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 where'd you get these from? Because it was like the first digital camera. So I've been doing it for a while. And then, you know, that's still really, really archaic back even then. Then, it, you know, the camera started getting better. And technology just gets, it doubles itself like every decade. You know, then I got into the DSLRs and then it, yep. Now I'm into mirrorless cameras and my iPhone camera, and it's all, it, it, it's great. Technology is good. Technology is good. And with you being in tech and you've been riding the camera wave, you've seen all the phases. Where do you, I mean, what do you think's next? Oh my you gosh. Be, I mean, you can get futuristic as well if you want. I'm just curious on what your thoughts are. Yeah, that's a really good question. We're already doing so many things that we probably didn't think we would be doing right now. We're doing we're doing live broadcast, you know, video. So I think okay, we we've crossed that bridge. We're doing it. I think virtual reality is already here, augmented reality. So that's happening right now. I'm I'm waiting for um, wireless hoses and uh, wireless electrical cords. Let's get rid of those things. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> I have no idea, man. I uh, I mean, I have my opinions, but I'll save that for another another day. I know. Uh, so you're unique. You are so heavy into a very specific genre of photography called night sky photography. There seems to be like small differences mm-hmm. that I'm not necessarily aware of. So why don't you let us know the difference between night sky photography versus just night photography and like what makes it unique? So night photography is let's actually back up. That's a subdirectory in my catalog underneath a long exposure. So I would consider long exposure probably the foundation and the base of where night photography stems from. Mm-hmm. Cause long exposure, you know, it, it has to do with the, the techniques that you're using on the camera. So if you're going to break it down that way, you could have like night photography, you could have car trails, um, time-lapse astrophotography, light painting, still wool, um, all those types of things. But the, the difference between like a lot of those that I just mentioned versus a night photography is it night photography has a component of all of those other little genres that I just mentioned. So by mastering night photography, you understand the mechanics and you got the skill sets and tools to be able to do all the genres of long exposure. And the reason the night photography is so interesting and intriguing is because it allows us to see things that not everybody gets to see. And we're talking about things that you don't, that nobody sees obviously during the daytime, but you see more things at nighttime because we're just, we're very small, right? In a big universe. And when you're shooting things in the night sky at night, you, you see, well, our the human eye, we, we only can see as far as we go, but we see things much grander than the earth itself. It's, it's epic, night photography. We have moving objects up there, shooting stars, Picture that like being a car trail on the ground, you know, how to do that at the same time. Clouds moving, long exposure, blur them, make them look creamy and smooth, bring out those things. Objects, things like, you know, the planets, the constellations, the Milky Way. It's kind of, um, it's, it's a big field. 
It is. It's a massive field. And it's for me, long exposure photography specific is so therapeutic. I really got into long, long exposure photography when I lived in San Francisco. I was in the Bay Area and I just, mm-hmm. I lived down the way from Marin Headlands, you know, right above the Golden Gate Bridge. And I would go down there like at 11 That's o'clock cool. at night by myself and just, I'd hang out until like two in the morning, three in the morning. And it was oh, wow. so peaceful. And I would just sit there and just shoot take beautiful long exposures it was just a maze like you just sit there and you know a minute later 30 seconds later it hits and you're just like oh my gosh because you can't you're the naked eye can't see no what what is beyond and so when you're able to like your camera is able to pick up so much information and when it shows you what's really happening at night oh dude you are so right yeah no it does so that that reminds me of something so a couple weeks ago i was up shooting up in the wilderness and you know we've had a lot of fires everywhere lately right it's been a really hot dry summer and it was smoky and i was i was deep in the forest 10 miles in and i was by myself and it was there was no moon it was really dark and i i just kept getting creeped out like there's gonna it's gonna be a blaze it's just gonna come through here i'm not gonna get out of here because i was many forks deep 10 miles in and well i didn't know the fire was i caught it with my camera i found it it was glowing, and then I, you know, I picked up some flames, but I couldn't see it with my naked eye. It was, it was kind of a, well, it's kind of nice to know. Oh, there's the fire. You know, I'm, I'm safe. It's on the other side of the valley. That's absolutely amazing that your camera caught that fire. It's seriously insane. There's so many uses for a camera. Like you can practically use them to do tons and tons of different things. With that said, you have some really cool, really unique work, really interesting style. What do you think? Thanks, bud. You know, what do you think it is about your work that makes it so unique and stand out? I ask myself that question a lot, and I think I think what what I enjoy doing with my nightscapes. I like to build character into them and I like to build chapters in them. And so they tell a story. I don't like to just end it with there's a picture of the sky and a mountain range. I, I like to have more interesting things in my photos. And one of those things that I, I really have a lot of fun with is I like incorporating people into those types of shots. And it creates a creates like an, a, an effect of like a juxtaposition when you pose something that people are familiar with next to something that's much grander than they are it begs the question of more they want to know more about that and you know what were they doing up there and what were they seeing and what were they doing and that's really cool that they went out and did that so i I guess you could say i like to incorporate things objects into my my stuff and it just doesn't end with people because i love to shoot other things you know cars or trucks and equipment whatever even you know cabins things I like to have things in my in my shots besides just the night sky. What I love, I think, most about your photography is that it's very – when I look at your photography, I think it's very humbling. I think it's humbling when you but, see a person in a shot next to a massive mountain – Oh my gosh. Next yes. to next to yeah. the Milky Way or the Northern yes. Lights or something. And it's just like it's so humbling. You are a just a small little person oh, totally. in this massive celestial galaxy of beauty. And yes. th- I think that's what I really love most about uh, a lot of your photography. It is just very humbling and it just shows how powerful the universe is and how small we are as humans in, in the in the totally. grand scale of just everything. Yeah, no, I, yeah, totally. I couldn't agree more. And that's what's really fun about it. You had a story about a crazy experience up in the mountains in Washington that's extremely rare. And that's really cool. And I would love for you to, to share that with us. 
Oh, thank you. No, I'd love to share it. Yeah, so my, my wife and I, we we planned a little trip over Memorial Day weekend last last May 2017. And shooting astrophotography, you kind of got, you jump around, you know, you're going to go coast, you're going to go Cascades, you're going to go North Cascades, Olympics, whatever it be. And we chose, we're going to do North Cascades this trip. So I hadn't been to this particular section um, in a while. So it's kind of all new to us again to, to get up to there and it's a pretty good drive from Seattle. It was about 250 miles or so. It was three hours on the road. And, and, it, and it just happened to be Memorial Day weekend was a new moon weekend. So it was super dark out. So we were going to see the night sky really good. Milky Way included. Made the trip up there. Uh, landed at Diablo Lake. Um, took some shots um, around there. That was cool. And then we um, headed up to to the bend deep into the North Cascades. And made it there, and it was close to probably midnight around that time. And you know, I parked the car and I jumped out, and grabbed my equipment, and started hiking down the trail. And um, you know, I started snapping some shots because I I couldn't I couldn't really see the the um, the Milky Way. I couldn't see the core. I, I knew where it should be. Yeah, it, and it, it just wasn't there. I was I was a little disorientated why I couldn't find it. And my shots were coming out kind of weird. And I had all my settings normal on my camera. I was set on automatic white balance, and normally things just come out really good. And I kept looking at my photos. Something was off. What I'm leading into here is there was a geomagnetic storm that was unfolding in front of us, and it wasn't predicted. Um, I didn't get any notifications for it because I'm all signed up for all that stuff. I, I know when that stuff's coming. And it, it was happening. All my images, they were turned, they were glowing green. And I, I just thought there was something wrong with my sensor, you know, it was overheating or something. I, I didn't know, but I, I figured it out pretty darn quick when they started dancing on the ridge. Okay. They were dancing like an equal music equalizer, you know, like going up and down. It was, it was crazy. I got, I was, I was beside myself. I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I knew what to do, Ashley. I knew I couldn't have been at a better place, right time. I had my equipment with me. It's like, we're, we're 10 miles from the Canadian border. And it's midnight, no moon. Went to shoot Astro, and what do I get? I get I get the Holy Grail. And in Washington, you can see them. I mean, they do come out, but the storms are they're not very strong. And this one, this was a big one. I think they said because it was all over King Five for like a week. I think this one was a G six category two level six. G one's a minor, and a G two's a, a moderate, and then there's levels of it. And it danced for about three hours. Had tickets to the grandest show in the universe, and there we were. It, yeah, I couldn't believe it. Dude, I could only imagine how epic that was. So one of one of the AOV photographers, Mark Solon, and his son Cam just got back from a Chris Bucard trip, and they went out to Greenland. And he said the Northern Lights was the most amazing thing he's ever seen oh, in wow. his life. And they are amazing. I'm so bummed I've never had the opportunity yet to get out there to see this. And so I can only imagine for you to just walk in and accidentally run into the show of a lifetime. Like that just had to have been such a joyful experience. And you got to share it with your wife. That's really cool. Yep. No, that was awesome. It was really funny because later, you know, after the weekend got back, you know, processed my stuff and, you know, I posted a couple of shots up to open IG and, you know, tagged up some some Northern Lights stuff and some of some of the local PW shooters around there, you know, they see my stuff and I see theirs. And what's funny is is they had some similar shots and we're looking at each other's stuff going, dude, 
do you see that light down there? And I'll go, yeah, yeah. That that was us. And like, I always have my headlamp on and like they were taking long exposed of it. And I actually got caught in their photos miles away and, you know, vice versa. It was, it was, that was actually really cool. So that's that's insane. That goes back to like how, just how much data these cameras can pull. It's just insane technology these days. I love it. I love it. It's awesome, dude. I got a quick question. So you shoot a lot and you shoot Astro and that's, no offense, that's weird, dude. You're older and mm-hmm. so you're out late. How does right. that tie in like how does that tie into the the wife and family dynamic? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. Let's say that I'm nocturnal and that's a really you're born with it. You you got it or you don't. And I've had it my whole life. It's hard with my work schedule. I work a standard, you know, set of hours working for government. So weekends come and you know, it's time to go out and do some of my own stuff. Family's kind of used to it. They're okay with it. That's why I kind of like to incorporate them, bring them along if I can. Because if not, I'm not going to see them because I'm going to be off shooting and stuff. Age-wise, I stay in pretty good shape. So I'm okay on the age thing right now, mid-40s. You know? I, yeah, I, didn't I can handle that. that part. <laughs> I didn't mean it like you're old. No, I, I do. I no. <laughs> it's all good, dude. My um, my son, is he's just like me. So we, we actually pair up really well together. And he's actually kind of like a... It's kind of like my partner when we're out shooting and stuff. And so that actually works really well. That's rad. I, I know a few of those father son adventure combos. And oh. I hope that I get to be that dad one day and just go out and hopefully my you know children enjoy the same passions as I do. That way we can all just go do our yes. thing and have a lot of fun together, you know? And yeah, no, my son, he's, no, he's a, he's my star, dude. He, I feature him in all my photos, not all of them, but he is, a, he's a big part of a lot of my photos. He knows what to do. He knows how long to hold for. He he knows he knows how to roll. It's it's awesome having that. That is that's seriously that's so beautiful. Congratulations, man. That's no, thank like, you. That's just awesome. With that said, who inspires you? Like you're an awesome photographer, but who do you pull your inspiration from? So besides having you know really good support from the family, I have a couple of different levels of support. I guess you could say I have I got my crew, and then I have people who I look up to who I'm, you know, I don't really know, but I just know them from the community. I got, I got a couple of good friends who those are my boys. I can go to them. We can bounce stuff off each other, feel good with those guys, have a good time. We shoot well together and collab. It's good. So I got, um, Eric, um, Godfrey, um, that's sin killer photography on IG. Some of you guys may have heard of him before. He and I click really well together. He is, Eric has a very dark, type of photography style and he is a city boy and he does a lot of the cityscapes he does a lot of steel wool he loves uh, landscape and astro too and he goes hiking with me up in the hills so we can kind of do all that stuff together i learned a lot from him i followed him for years before we actually became friends so he's one of one of the guys i look up to another guy i actually do a lot of shooting with is my my brother from another mother i call him this michael weldon photo Mike Johnson, I work with him at work. He is a great guy. We hit it off instantly at work, and we have the same passions outside of work, and we just enjoy the same things. And we, we go on quite a few shoots during the year together. I get a lot of really good ideas from him. He's always, he's, he's very dynamic. He's got a great personality, and we just have a really good time shooting together. So look up to him for that type of inspiration, and that, that's really cool. 
Met another dude this year um, through Mike, Will Rogers. He and I went on probably one of the most epic hikes up into the Cascades we've been on. It wasn't even a night show. It was it was a sunset um, hike um, up to Kelly Butte. Forest land just outside of uh, Mount Rainier National Park. We shot probably some of the best photography we've ever done, non-night photography. And we had a really good time together. Uh, we balanced a lot of stuff off him. So I, I do... I'd say those those three guys right there, solid. Those are, that those that'd be my crew. That's the crew. That's the inspiration. Those are your boys. That's awesome. It is. It it's, is. It's good to have your crew. And for anyone that doesn't have a crew, just reach out to the people in your area and ask them to go shoot. It, exactly. It makes things a lot easier. It's nice when you can go with friends and you have people that understand what you're going through and you can bounce ideas and just having friends in the same space that just get it is really, really comforting and really nice to have such a, it's, it's definitely a big plus. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I also want to give a shout out to a couple people who are, are, they're a pretty big inspiration to me. I don't know them personally. Um, I follow um, John Bevel's work on IG. He's he has a really similar style to I believe like what I have, and I actually I study his work, and I I get a lot of inspiration out of that. It's like we're on the same wavelength, and you guys should check that guy out. So he's he's got some really cool stuff, and everybody knows Tracy Lee. Tracy Lee Photos. She started Milky Way Chasers Group, and she um, she is a big inspiration to the Astro community. For what she's done for that she has really pulled a lot of those people together and she tells some really good stories and she talks a lot of tech about it and she's all about the hunt and she's like she's hardcore and so i i appreciate what she's done for the astro community because it it brings it up and i really i really like that yeah, I feel, I feel like we got to do like a pnw an aov pnw astro party or something and just get a big big group and do some astro shoot yep. one weekend Yep, there's there's a lot there's a lot of us out there. If you look around, you gotta you gotta search though. Or should I or should I say hunting? Tell yes. me tell me about the hunting. Explain because you guys are you're serious. The first time I ever talked okay. to you, dude, you got you were so lit and you were talking to me about hunting Astro, and I was like, this guy is crazy. Oh no, he's I hunting know, okay. Astro. It is no, it's seriously it's real. So I don't hunt myself. Like I don't hunt big game. Okay. But I hunt astro, and there's really a lot of parallels between the two. You have deer hunters, they have their gear and their spots and their season equipment. They got their rifle, their transport vehicle. They got all those things. Well, it's really no different than an astro hunter who's got his camera, his gear, and his travel plans, and he has his window where you know he is taking his tag, and he's got to go get his. He's got to go punch his card. Well, it's it, it's the same thing. So if we're gonna hunt astro. We know we have a season. We have a, we have a, a very short span of maybe about four good months, maybe five, and that's so that's your hunting season right there. And you only have X number of days per month that you can do it. What, what months are those? North. We're talking northern hemisphere here. Okay, so there's the Australians will tell you differently because they have they see a little different view than us from from down under. So up here, astro hunting would it, it begins around the new moon time of April every year peak season will be june july new moon weekend that's it and then you are starting to fade by by august and 
September's it's it's just barely hanging on. It, and it, here, what are we today? It's September twenty seven. It it's gone. So it it is a short season. So we got the season. Season is now pretty much done for people in the northern hemisphere. What are some of the best places to shoot astro? Like, what are people looking for in a place to shoot astrophotography? Well, I mentioned earlier, it's all about juxtaposing things against the astronomical features, right? So, and what can you what can you juxtapose against them that is going to stand out? Well, you have to be somewhere. So obviously, we know we got to be somewhere dark. And where it's dark, it means low population, and people don't live up in the peaks of the mountain ranges. So you're going to be, you got to, well, if you're in Washington, you got to head east to where there is low population because then you don't have the light pollution. And, or you head west and you go to the ocean because then you're really looking at the abyss. You know, you're looking off in, into basically deep space nine. It's, it's all black there. So you got oceans, you got mountain ranges. And um, most national parks have black holes in them where you could have cities abutting them or small towns, let's say, which are going to give off some light. So if you can't get away that far, then you could always go somewhere where there's there's an emission of light pollution in a you know several mile radius. So um, same with state parks and wilderness areas. Those are those are them. Those are the areas people go for that stuff. Right on. So what are some what are some good apps to help people who want to get into astrophotography and that will help them achieve just finding places and just getting into the space? Well, you got You really got to know where where the light pollution kind of transitions and ends and begins. So there's a there's a ton of dark sky finder apps out there. But if you don't want to pay for like features that are included in those apps, you know, you can always run like the formal websites just in your mobile browsers on your phone. If you're, you know, if you're not at home, your computer and you want to look up stuff or if you are at home and you're on your browser, then just you're not going to run a mobile app. You're just going to run the browser version and then you can, you know, seek out what where, where is it dark at and you can look for those look for those areas. But you, you got to watch the um, the Bortle index. It's a, it's a I think it's a one through nine system, and it'll tell you it'll show like you know Seattle is like a it's off the charts for light pollution. Obviously, you're you're not going to see stars in Astro a whole lot. You'll see a few stars maybe, but you're not going to see any any uh, planets from there. So, and then as the the rings of the cities kind of go out, it'll get darker and darker. And when you start to get into the flange zone around the oranges, because red is total city, metropolitan, when it goes into the orange zones on the dark sky finders, you can start to see Milky Way at those points. So you don't need to make a two-hour trip into the Cascades if you don't know what you're doing and it's your first time. You just want to get into it. You can just, just go to the outskirts of town if you want to see you know see the Milky Way. And Milky Way is always going to be starting at like in around April. It's the whole range of the Milky Way season. It's it's going to first pop up in the southeast sky, and uh, peak season is going to be almost dead south, and then it'll end up and fade out in September around the southwest skies. So you always got to be thinking focused on that orientation, southeast, south. Just think south, okay. Look to the south and you will find the Milky Way. Perfect. Any other apps that are paramount for beginners? I mean, it sounds like obviously you could just get up and go shoot the sky and it's like, good luck. But well, uh, yes, if, if yeah, you want I, to take it, 
if you want to have some type of professionalism and actually get a shot that's worth uh, something of value, then it, it does take some research. Like, Yep. So then you really need to invest in the boys over at PhotoPills because that is a lifesaver, the PhotoPills app. And I heard they're coming out with an Android version, but I know right now that I believe it's still only supported for iOS. And PhotoPills, it rocks. It has all of the tools you will ever need to plan out your everything. And it's just not your astro planner. It's your blue hour planner, your golden hour planner. It's your your moon shadows, your your sun rise times. And combine it all together and you're going to know where all your stuff's at and where you need to be at key times. How do you go about your post-processing for your astrophotography? I run a lot of app products and I have Adobe Creative Cloud, so I run that across all my devices. And I use Lightroom and Photoshop to bring in my raw. That, that's where it all starts. And on top of that, um, after I you know, weed out all my shots that maybe didn't turn out, then I'll – we're talking astrophotos here. I will apply a set of um, presets, um, astro presets actually that I – I actually sell them on the AOV site, and I have more that I keep in my catalog, and I will normally run those over all my photos and see how it looks and see what I can see if I got a good start or not, if I need to make some tweaks. And it's uh, so those will work out really well. Astrophotography editing is it is very different from any genre, you know, landscape or portrait. It's just it it is it is its own completely set of uh, different tones and levels. You got to start there or you're going to be so far off the charts that you might not think you produce something that is workable. So I should check out my presets on the AOV site. Just look up Jet City Photos under the uh, user artist presets. The presets are cool. I I think specifically for someone like yourself, like you're busy. You got wife, kids, full-time job. I think a lot of people lose the real value of presets. The value of presets is time. If you value your time, presets will save you so much time. I value my time. I almost start all of my photos off of some type of preset that I've created in the past or someone else's preset, you know, a preset that I purchased. But for the most part, I almost start every, not all photos that trust me. There's sometimes where I'm like, I'm going to sit here for three yeah. hours, four hours, and I'm totally. going to do this yeah. photo because I love this photo so much. I'm going to do it from scratch, and it's going to be so good. But there's not a lot of days where I can dedicate four hours to editing no, it, one it's photo. really hard. Especially if there's 30 really good images that oh, you yeah. want to edit. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, think of how many shots you take on an epic weekend of shooting. I'll come home. I don't know about you, but I'll come home with... Oh, I don't know, four to 700 shots. I mean, we're talking, this is a, a two-day, two-nighter. I mean, if it's just a one-night, I, I could easily do 150 to 200. So I need to I need to bulk edit and get it done quick and then pick out the good ones. And I'll, I'm almost to the point where I haven't done it yet, but I, I should apply, depending on the type of photo I took, I could apply a, you know X preset to the whole import set, just get done with it rather than you know grabbing them yep. all. Because I have a lot of presets, dude. Oh yeah. I think it's what you enjoy more too. Like for me, I personally would much rather spend more time out shooting and being outdoors than more time sitting on my laptop in my house, editing from scratch. There is, trust me, I get a lot of joy out of that when I do that, but it's so far away from something that I could do. Oh yeah, I agree. I mean, there's times when I get home from a, from an astro shoot at, you know, I will most peak summer, I'll shoot up until the, the blue hour. And then if I go over the blue hour because it's cool, a cool area, 
I might even go for a Milky Way sunrise. Now we're at morning and then I'll drive home and now it's like eight o'clock in the morning and, you know, wife will get up to start the day and she'll look in the office and she'll go, what are you doing? You know what I mean? It's like, I'm just getting my pictures downloaded. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, speed it up. Lot, You know, there's only so much time. Absolutely. So what is it like to shoot Astro alone in the middle of the night out in the middle of nowhere? It's, um, I would say for the majority of the time, it is, it's really cool. I don't run into a lot of problems out there. Um, I know I'm pretty cautious. I'm pretty aware of my surroundings. It, it is, you have to be careful. It is dark. It is damp. So things are slippery. It is cold, even during the summer, because you're normally up, you know, six, eight, ten thousand feet. Um, so it, it's, it's that epic environment. It, it's very cool. You see things that you don't see in the city and you hear very odd things um, because you're you're right there you're right there in the wild someone else's environment and it's not yours <laughs> it's you know it's the animals it's creepy so it, it so it's different it's fun it is that's interesting do you mind explaining a little bit more about the moon cycles yeah, yeah sure explain a little bit about moon cycles and then what you're looking for as far as shooting astro with moon cycles like when you see this type of moon all right you know get out somewhere and go shoot Everybody says if you're going to go shoot Astro, you got to do it on a new moon weekend. Okay, well, that is true for the most part. And for if, if you don't know when what a new moon means, you would think a new moon means, oh, it's it's there. It's new. It's, it's appeared again. A new moon means there is no moon. It does not rise and set in that 24-hour period. It happens once a month. So that's great. That, that's great and all because you can see the dark sky and you can bring out those features you know, really enriched details in them. But if you, if you're in an area where you don't have any light pollution from a city, let's say that's going to backlight a whole mountain range and then you got your Astro there, you're actually not get very good photos. It's going to be too dark. So you need to, you need to learn to use some moonlight to help illuminate your landscape, but you can't use, you know, the full on moonlight because a full moon or something that's near a full moon, it's going to blow, it's going to blow everything out. You won't really see a whole lot of Milky Way. So you need to, you need to look at the other moon cycles. So there's about five of the other, well, I think there is five. There's new moon. There's, and you, everybody's probably heard of the, there's waxing gibbous, there's waning gibbous, and then um, a new moon uh, last quarter. So you can actually shoot Astro in all of those except for the full moon cycle. Okay. They have rise and set times, which is really good. So you got to pay attention to those. So say you're in the mountain range and there's a lake that's down below and you want to illuminate it. You're going to know when that moon's going to come over the mountain range. And if it's in a waning waning moon cycle, that means you're at about 25% brightness of the moon. That's perfect. And because it's it, it's just a subtle amount of light, but it's going to beautifully light up the lake and the water, so you can get you know long explore reflection on that, along with Milky Way in the background and all that good stuff. And you'll be able to actually turn out your shots. And a waning gibbous moon doesn't mean that it's going to then you know go high noon in the sky and then ruin your stuff. It will stay low in the horizon the whole way over. Then it'll kind of come up in the east, set in the west. And the reason the waning is uh, is better than a waxing gibbous cycle 
is because the start and stop times of those are key. The waxing campus starts at three o'clock in the afternoon and it sets at three o'clock in the morning versus the waning 9 p.m. to 9 a.m. So you are going to get that moon coming up right when it's the time for you to be shooting astro, which kind of the prime time for that is, you know, depending on what month it is, you know, June, July, let's say it's going to be 10 o'clock to one and that moon to start rising at nine. It's going to perfectly light up your stuff. It's going to fill in perfect. So you got about seven days out of the month. You can use that moon to your advantage. I, I really paid attention to the moon cycles from a trip I went to that I got skunked on. I went over to Palouse Falls and the, a lot of people like to shoot there. A lot of new astrophotographers, they, they go to, they go to Palouse cause they want to shoot the falls. Palouse Falls is one of the darkest sites in Washington. And I, I got junk. There was no moon. I thought I was doing the right thing. It just didn't work. And um, I still I have not gone back there today to reshoot it. I want to. Um, I'll go back with, with a little bit of moon. There you go. Appreciate that rundown. Matt, I appreciate you explaining uh, and informing us a little bit more about the moon phases. Uh, looks like we're coming you know, to an end here, and I have a few final questions. Uh, one of them is, what are your two favorite quotes? Thanks for asking, Prince. So, yeah, I have... I went a little different route on this one here. I don't know who all watches popular TV shows out there, but for all you Oliver Queen fans, I got a favorite quote. And um, he is in The Arrow. Oliver Queen is The Arrow. And he has a quote that I love. And they introduce it in the beginning of every episode of the show. And it, and I like it because it applies to what, what we do as um, visual artists. So Oliver Queen says, I must become someone else. I must become something else. And I love this quote because it, it reminds me of why I need to sometimes step out of my, my ordinary um, role if I'm going to you know, m- reach my next um, level and move on to my next. If I'm stagnant, I'm not getting anything new and improved, I, just, I need to do that exactly. I must become someone else. So it helps me reach that goal. And um, so I got another one. Um, I wish this show was still on. Loved it. Don't watch a lot of TV myself, but those here's like two of my favorite shows. So I loved, loved Arrow with Oliver Queen. And I also loved Friday Night Lights with uh, Coach Eric Taylor, um, played by Kyle Chandler. He always said in many of his um, off-the-field um, talks with his players, with his football team, he would always have a talk with the guys. And he would say, Every man at some point in his life is going to lose a battle. He's going to fight and he's going to lose. But what makes him a man is that in the midst of the battle, he does not lose himself. And I think that's a really important quote to remember because as as an artist, we go through times when we don't like our content or we struggle to achieve a goal and we get frustrated and, and then we we kind of like, you know, piddle out. We just we can't move on. But we need to remember that we, you know, we need to push through. We need to achieve it. And if you stop and quit, then you're not going to improve, and you're not going to learn what you made a mistake on. So you got you got to punch through it. That's important. I love the the fiction. That's awesome. That's right, unique. Um, That's different. With that said, the last, you know, the same way we end every podcast. I'm sure you've heard because I know you listen. What are your final words of wisdom slash encouragement? to the AOV community? Well, um, there are 
some of mine are going to be probably similar to others, but I have a, I have a few other little pro tips I'm going to add, which I hope you guys will, will find to be useful. Um, so my, my first ones are first and foremost, don't stop creating because the that's where the vision dies at. You got to keep, you got to keep creating your content and you'll, you'll improve. You will find new things, new things that you're good at or, and discover things you didn't think you could do. So never stop creating. And same goes with failures. If you if you fail, you know the drill. You got to pick up. You got to keep moving on, or you'll never make it over that hump. Um, sharing is another one that I I'd love to be able to stress that here in this forum. People need to um, share share your trade secrets and your your tips, and don't be afraid to think that or that it's going to hurt you if you share something with someone else. Because that's how that's how we learn. We learn from other people. It doesn't mean that you won't be the only person to do that shot or or that technique. You could give two people the same piece of equipment and put them in the same environment and same settings and go out and shoot it. And I, I guarantee you, not one of those photographers is going to have the same final result as the other. It doesn't hurt to share. Help others out. So we learn. And um, leave feedback. People want feedback, you know. They don't want just um, smileys and thumbs ups. Those are cool. But put some words in there. Leave leave a comment for people every once in a while. If you get really busy, just stop in. Just stop and check in. Leave feedback for people. Um, so I wanted to talk about something that I came up with it. I, I had to find, because I had to get over something that I couldn't get past. And it, everybody gets artist block, right? Where you can't, you just, you, you can't make it work. And so I have a tip how you can get over that. You're working on a photo, and pretty soon you've made 10 virtual copies of it. And they, they're all very similar, but you don't know which one's the best. So you, um, what you do is you set up a private IG account that, and invite no friends. Just, it's just you on IG. Take your virtual copies of the photo that you think is done and post them. Post them on your IG account. And then... I play a little flashcard game with those photos, kind of like you like you would do when you're cramming for a college exam. You play flashcards, you know, hold up the answer, ask the question. You got to drill it to get it right. After you posted your photos, put the phone away, walk around, come back, open up your open up your IG, flip the phone on, and and look at it real quick. And and like if it hurts to look at it, you're not done. You can go back and fix it. You should immediately fall in love with that version of that photo right away. And that's so that's your that's my flashcard trick tip there is do it and it actually works i will think it's a good photo and edit and you know it's done it's it's great and i'll come back later and go that sucks you know it hurts to look at it because maybe there's too much contrast or too, too too much darks i need to change it up so i like i think that one would be very helpful for people who are struggling to get over which tone is going to work better and um you all heard the the rule you know the there's all the rules of photography yeah, right. What rules, right? Well, the real rule is that there really are no rules. So that is true. There, there shouldn't be because it is, it is expression of your vision, right? But you should think of these things as, as guides. They, you can have guides in photography. There's obviously going to be certain things that you, you know, you don't want to do, and just look up those things, follow those things, and that'll probably cut out. And this is, these are, a lot of these are like new, new photographers and stuff. Cut out all the things that you shouldn't do right off the bat. 
and then you're, you're going to have a, a lot better start getting that final product. Thank you for listening. Please share the Art of Visuals podcast with your friends and make sure to hit that subscribe button. Sharing is caring. You can follow Art of Visuals on Instagram at Art of Visuals or sign up for the Art of Visuals newsletter on artofvisuals.com. Join us next episode for more, but until then, let's continue to visually inspire the world together.